three lenders, some major incompetence, and a good guy named Rick. You'll hear all about it in this episode of Building the Farm on Central. Building the Farm on Central podcast is designed to give you an inside look at starting a new farm. We'll be sharing every step along the way, our wins, challenges, the good, the bad, as we build a new farm on eight acres in Southwest Ohio. Our mission is to empower and inspire you on your farming journey. Head over to www.growingfarmers.com to learn how to build a thriving farm of your own. Growingfarmers.com. Hey farmers, Michael here again with another episode of the Building a Farm on Central podcast. Um, Hopefully you've enjoyed the first two. Again, this is our low budget version just to kind of share our story and uh, get this info out to you. So in this episode, we want to talk all about our purchasing process for the property. So again, we have been looking for a while, you know, and on one aspect, as a self-employed person, you're encouraged to show as little income as possible so that you don't pay as many taxes. But the other problem is if you don't show good income, you can't get approved for larger loans. So that is definitely something to think about as you are going through your, your journey to the get property. And uh, you know sometimes you really do need to, in, in your business, especially as you have built a farm or building a farm, you can show you know more income if you buy less equipment or less income if you purchase more equipment. So sometimes it's, it's you're gonna have to, if you're buying a piece of property, you're gonna have to show more income for a certain period of time uh, just so that you can get that loan. And then after the loan closes, obviously, they're not coming back to check your finances so you can completely change things up. So let's, uh, what we'll do is I'll kind of walk you through the process that we went through and at the end, I'll kind of give you some tips that we discovered along the way that kind of helped us um, make sure everything closed and uh, get the keys for our new place. So. Um, the first thing, you know, our the budget for us was about $100,000 less than this property. So this property was definitely a little bit out of our price range, um, which meant that it was a little bit harder to get the, the lending. And, um, you know, the other thing was we were right in the middle of the COVID. And so what that meant was I know for some of my friends who are also purchasing houses, some of the types of loans didn't, wasn't even processing for a couple of weeks during COVID. Um, so it was a major headache for a lot of people to get loans and I don't know how long that's going to go on for but in our case there was actually special COVID checks that they did throughout the lending process and one of those derailed us um, so when we first kind of had the um, with the property we called our lender and we said look this is what we're looking at and we just get an idea of you know if, if this is even possible and really he kicked back that yeah you're good you just have to sell your house before and obviously all the money from that house is going to roll into this one because we want to see a a decent down payment and uh, well th- for that case he told us 15 percent and so um, you know th- we, we ended up getting a contract on the house and then we obviously after the contract you go into getting the loan officially started and at that point we actually le- reached out to some agricultural lenders because on one aspect it is a farm property but it's also our home residence so we could have gone either way and uh, we went with uh, farm credit and uh, farm credit says oh we don't need we only need 15 percent down and you could actually roll into the loan home repairs and so we had some things that needed done in the house uh, some major things because it was pretty much a fixer-upper um, 
And so we, uh, at that point, we, I think we put in like $40,000 for repair or maybe 30,000. And then the, obviously the purchase price of the house. Um, and then what we did from that original lending company is we heard back from them that uh, the close, they gave us like a estimate for the loan, you know, and, and the closing came back at about $13,000 in fees and things. And so at that point I called our previous lender and I was like, um, you know, our, our first conventional lender. And I was like, look, this is what they're giving me. What can you do? And he's like, yeah, I can do no closing costs. And so this is something to look at is that it's worth comparing a few different lenders to each other because in one aspect, I think when, again, and this is just be maybe my experience and maybe we're a little naive at this process because it's only our second house that we purchased, but people, you know, you buy a house and the realtor recommends a lender or your friend recommends a lender or your bank, you know, wants to be your lender, but definitely compare a couple um, because all of them want the same documentation and you're like, man, there's so many forms to fill out. I don't want to do multiples. But once you have the documents, you can just give them to all the different lenders and have them come back with what their, you know, what the closing is, what their rate is, um, what their, what, what the different aspects of it, and how easy they're deal with. Because some of these banks can be just a pain in the butt to deal with. So um, that first lender came back, and um, you know, with that the, that high closing, thirteen thousand dollars with a closing, and I was like, yeah, that's way too high. And our other lender said, yeah, I can do it for zero percent and I can do 15% as well. Because the reason I wanted with them is they want 15% down instead of 20. And again, with any property after you move on, you need a lot of cash to do repairs and especially for us building the farm out, we wanted to keep as much cash for that. So that's why we wanted the 15% versus the 20% down, which is normally done without, so you don't have to pay PMI. So um, our conventional lender came back and said, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, I can do 15% as well. I'll just roll the PMI into the actual payment. And so he actually sent us the uh, kind of the pre, pre paperwork. And I was like, oh, that actually looks really good. The payment was significantly less than the first one. So I just went ahead and emailed the first lending company and said, the agricultural lender, and said, look, we're just going to go another direction. Thank you for your time. But please cancel our account or our application. And never heard from them again. So I figured they had done that. Well, they didn't. But we'll get back to that in a second. So the second lender um, starts going through the process. And if you're not under, under um, stand how the whole process works, and again, I apologize for boring you if you do, but you usually get a pre-approval and uh, that's based um, upon the property you're buying sometimes and just for your finances. So you need a pre-approval for just your finances. And then once they look at the property, they'll give you another level of pre-approval from what I understand. And then what it does is it, the loan goes into processing. Um, and after it comes out of processing, it goes into underwriting. And there's two stages of underwriting, obviously, the personal financial stage to make sure you can actually pay for the property, and then the property to make sure the bank thinks it's a good enough deal for them to loan money on it. Um, and so then after it comes out of their underwriting, you can close. And there might be some other checks and stuff in there. Um, not super familiar with all the different details on that. but. One of the aspects is you don't want to be making any major purchases during this and just kind of upset your Apple card of your finances. They just want to see money coming into your bank account. They want to see less money going out so that if, uh, you know, when you have to take on this new payment, you can cover that difference. 
Um, and so, um, you know, again, with COVID, they are, and because I'm self-employed, not only were they looking at my personal finances, but they were looking at the business finances. And so um, our conventional lender wanted uh, right at the last minute, like we were in underwriting, he says, we're all good, um, four days before close. And then he's like, I need this additional documentation from your business. So they wanted the last 60 days of uh, bank records from our business just to kind of look at that and so we sent over you know again we have multiple ba bank accounts for the business for our savings our um our checking and then we also follow some aspects of profit first um and so if you follow profit first you actually have more bank accounts than that so we've actually got some other bank accounts to so send all that over and then like two days later they come back and this is literally like two to three days before closing comes back and says yep they're going to deny everything and so um, you know, one of the aspects of that was that our business is very seasonal. So we have a farm education business, um, and so we make most of our money November through April because that's when farmers have time to learn and are buying courses and working on trainings and doing coaching with us. And then during the summer, our income slows down and we work on some bigger projects and we have cash going out every single month and we're in the red. But that's just how our business operates and we're comfortable with that. And uh, obviously the bank didn't like that because they viewed it as being adversely affected by COVID and that we wouldn't be able to make the money um, to pay for the loan. Um, and so I and it ended up, I was just talked to my, the, the loan agent was like, well, can I just show you like a full year in review, just show you month by month what our business looks like and show you that this is a pattern and that we're actually doing better this year than last year. And he's like, well, you can try. And so I literally spent half the night going through, combing through the last finances, getting all the information together for them. Sent over this massive package of documents and spreadsheets and all that stuff, but that didn't help any. And so basically we were um, supposed to be closing on our house and we didn't even, um, we didn't even have a, a, a place to go, pretty much. We did because our in-laws had a, a extra house that we could move into for a couple weeks, but they were selling that as well. So we had to move quickly on this. So um, talk to our realtor. Again, our realtor, the, the entire process was just awesome. Um, again, a great realtor who goes to bat for you in all these aspects is uh, is fabulous. And she says, well, I got this other real guy. He's a bit more expensive. Again, so we were looking at like, you know, in the twos, the high twos, um, maybe I think it was like 3.1 um, was what our rate was going to be with this second lender. The third lender ended up being 3.5, so it was definitely a little bit more expensive um, on the rate. And uh, actually, when you look at those two numbers difference, that actually is a difference between tens and tens of thousands of dollars at the end of your 30-year um, mortgage payment. But again, at this time point, we were just we just needed to get this this property taken care of. So um, we started working with Rick, who was our third and final lender. And um, you know, Rick was again great throughout the process. He looked over our income. We sent that all to him, and they have this automated system that they run it through. So he says, you know, if we pass this automated system, pretty much you're guaranteed that your income is not going to hold you up. The house might, but the income won't. So 24, 36 hours later, he had the, that back, and he said, your income checks out. And so um, you know, we went through that. Now the other thing too is we could have, if we, and oh. The other thing I forgot to mention is like most of the way through when we were working with the second lender, like a week before he ended up telling us no, the first lender, the agricultural lender came back and says, we're going to deny you. And so I was like, well, I actually canceled this two weeks ago. So I don't know why you're, why it's still running. Um, because when I canceled, I was supposed to fill out paperwork 
for the next step and I did not so for some reason they just kept processing that and uh, anyway so um, so we get denied by that person but the thing is is if you um, conventional lending is through usually a bank but you can also go USDA and so USDA is for more high-risk agricultural loans um, and the problem with USDA is that it can take 60 and mostly 90 plus days to close the advantage is that the rates are incredibly low so like right now I think they're between 1.5 1.8 so incredibly low and the uh, USDA will come in and do several different things so if they may just guarantee loan so they might just tell a, a bank like hey we like that property you know we're willing to take the risk on that because we think it's good or they'll come in and do 50% of the loan so they'll split the loan with the conventional lender so the conventional lender will do um, 90,000 and the USDA will do 90,000 or sometimes they'll come in and do hundred percent of the loan so usually sometimes with that you don't have to do any money down or very little money down it's um, they cover a lot of that um, so those are the different aspects, and that's why a lot of people like to go with the USDA. And if we had more time, we probably would have, just because it would have saved us a lot of money in the long haul. Um, but again, for us, time was of the essence, um, and um, it is going to be our personal dwelling as well. So that's why a conventional mortgage actually worked pretty well for this situation. All right, so um, back to the storyline here. We were on track with our third lender, Rick. Um, and again, these different aspects of how things go through, but um, one of the things with any house is that you have an appraisal. So you have an inspection, and inspections for you usually just to make sure the house is good to go and there's not any glaring problems like the basement's gonna fall in or the roof is, you know, got massive leaks in it. But the appraisal is to make sure the value of the property, you're not overpaying for the property and the bank is gonna be able to get a return on investment if you default. And so, um, uh, you know, so the we have paid for an appraisal with another company, and so Rick, who's on our new appraisal uh, company, said, "Look, you know, appraisal. We're out between seven and ten days for our appraisals because everything's so delayed with the whole COVID." And so he said, "If I can get your other appraisal, that will save me a massive amount of time." So I call up our previous guy and I said, "Hey, need that appraisal? Can you send it over?" He's like, "Oh, that's that's not part of the rules. I can't do that." Um, and so at this point, I said, you know, I paid for that. I should be able to have that. And uh, my uh, Rick says, uh, that's a complete, utter ridiculousness. I, you can totally transfer this. Um, and then my realtor, again, tell you how good my realtor is, called that previous lender's boss and just come, just let him have it. And uh, so he said, uh, yes, we can transfer it. Um, so, but there's additional fees that need to be paid. So I guess our house was a very unique house. It's hard to find um, comparisons for the appraisal, which means they can they need to find other houses that compare on price and such so that they can basically say this house is worth what it is. And so uh, we, uh, we then, um, so we had a little bit of back and forth with them and we had to pay some extra fees. And uh, so finally we got that transferred, although it did take a long time. It actually held up the loan for three or four days. Um, so there we go. So we kind of came through the different steps of that. We got the the appraisal finally transferred and actually the last couple days the thing that was holding it up was the appraiser had gone on vacation and my wife's name was not on the appraisal so it was to Michael Kilpatrick not Michael Kilpatrick and Savannah Kilpatrick and so that actually was the thing that held it up last but the bank was willing to overlook that so we could just close and they basically had amended that after we had closed so 
there you go. That's kind of a little bit of a story. So we ended up closing on the 1st of July. Um, and it was, it was one of those aspects that was a little bit surreal. It had been so long, uh, about 12 weeks in the, the process of putting this all together. Um, and uh, for two weeks of that, we were technically homeless, living at my in-laws' um, uh, uh, townhouse, which was actually to be sold. Um, and so we literally had a, d a date that we had to be out of there because they were selling that place. Um, so, and then the, the whole aspect of being held up, that meant that we were moving our stuff. Instead of being able to move directly from our house to our new house, we had to rent a pod and uh, put everything in a pod. Actually, we used Pack Rat. I think it's 1-800-PACK-RAT or something, which was fabulous. They were fabulous to work with, super easy. Um, the drivers were great, and our stuff was very well taken care of. So there was nothing broken. Everything was just great. I mean, we did a pretty good job packing, um, but everything was still really nice in there. So, um, yeah, that's the process because one of the things we had kind of in our contract with our previous house is given ourselves two weeks from closing to being having to be out because we basically said, all right, we'll close on both houses, use a week and a half to do renovations, and then in a couple of days move stuff over and be good to go. But that didn't happen. So luckily, um, we were able to store some stuff at Friends, use the pod, um, the this new place, the barn, they were willing to let us put stuff in the barn, so we put a whole lot of stuff in the barn, and uh, there we were. So that's the story. Um, it's a little bit a little bit longer than I think a lot of people uh, want to hear, but I wanted to give you a little bit of details, kind of the little tips along the way, and um, I guess so that the kind of the learning experience for this is, you know, if you're thinking about buying a house, try to show as much income as possible and as much cash flow so if you got money coming in have money coming in and have it going to savings have it going to things that you know you can shut down um, for expenses so that you can show a large available cash to pay for that new mortgage um, other thing is really have a good realtor because they can guide you along the way well and and, and connect you to the right people um, and uh, you know, really know your your finances and your numbers. So that's something you know I, I I do not necessarily like that side of things. I like to get out in the dirt and do stuff, but sometimes sitting in front of the computer and really knowing those numbers, really being able to put pen to paper, or you know, computer cursor to spreadsheet, I guess is what we call it now, is kind of the aspects that um, you need to do. Um, and I, th I think that the other thing would be is, you know, sometimes you can just dream big. Um, for us, again, this was not anything we had thought we would ever get, get and go for, but we ended up being able to make it work. It did take us a while. There was a, a few days, my wife and I pretty much were very distraught, very stressed out right before the third mortgage company closed because like literally three days or two days before it was gonna close, I said, oh, I need all those documents that the previous person asked for and then basically, um, denied us so I was flipping out at that point um, thankfully we had uh, you know some more income in the business just because we'd done a new launch new launch a new product and had some income from that so that actually showed well in our cash flow statement um, but um, yeah it was a little bit hairy there and I'm sure I got a few more gray hairs so there you go guys that is the entire story of how banks can be so much fun and thanks for listening to building the farm on central podcast with Michael Kilpatrick
If you've enjoyed this episode, you'll love our Thriving Farmer podcast, where our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. Join us weekly as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. Available on all major podcast platforms and at www.thrivingfarmerpodcast.com. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com. Thank you.